Hi, I'm Chad Emerson, and this is the Downtown Explorer Podcast, the virtual third place where we gather for interesting conversations with downtown innovators and entrepreneurs. Hi, everyone. Chad Emerson, Downtown Huntsville, Inc. We are back with another episode of the Downtown Huntsville Explorer. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone, if you're enjoying this series, and we've had some great conversations, make sure you go to Spotify. Google Podcast or Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and like, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And that helps us get even more coverage. But today we're excited to get all cultural with downtown Huntsville. We have Phil Otto, head of the Huntsville Ballet. Phil, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Chad. So the Huntsville Ballet. Um, Tell us the background of the ballet. How old is the ballet, really? Yeah, well, you know, before it was Huntsville Ballet, it was called Community Ballet Association. I think we're going back about 58 years. So it's been around as long as the symphony has, I believe. Um, But it was always known as Community Ballet Association. Um, So as as it evolved, the current iteration of the Huntsville Ballet Company, mm-hmm. I guess official name, right? Yeah. Um, when did that come along? Well, um, sort of under the radar, it's been Huntsville Ballet Company, but when my wife and I got to Huntsville about 13 years ago, we really wanted to rebrand um, the organization. So CBA, or Community Ballet Association, really is our parent company, and under that is Huntsville Ballet Company and Huntsville Ballet School. So officially about 13 years ago. Okay. What brought you to Huntsville for the Huntsville Ballet? Oh, that's a long story. and <laughs> not sure you have time, but... Um, Give us the abridged yeah, version. <laughs> abbreviated story. My wife and I were professional dancers in New York, Seattle, Pennsylvania. And um, at one point in my life... I decided to end it all and buy a general store in the Adirondack Mountains. So no more ballet for me or nonprofit world. And uh, so after about five years of doing that in the middle of nowhere in the snow, in the cold temperatures, um, I sort of had a, a life-changing experience which made me want to come back to the ballet world. And so the position was open here in Huntsville and we applied and we saw Huntsville as sort of a Joe Diamond in the Rough, you know, uh, 13 years ago, a city that was really, you know, there, but no one knew about from the rest of the world. <laughs> Maybe it's the best kept secret. I don't know. So, so it sounds like you, you grew up in the arts. You had mentioned that you had performed at the Met. You, yeah. you said you, you met um, as in the ballet world. Tell us how you got involved in the arts world. Sure. Well, it's, it's pretty simple. I'm one of seven children and my mother was a ballet teacher. So we grew up in the ballet studio in a playpen. Do your own show internally. I know we could, we could. So yeah, I have seven brothers and sisters and, um, you know, four of, or three of my brothers danced with the New York city ballet. And, you know, we all went that direction on tour and Broadway with fam of the opera. And so we're just a performing type of family. Where is the most unique place on planet earth that you performed in a ballet? A unique place. I have to. It wasn't in a ballet. It was actually in an opera. Um, When I was a child, I spent about six years singing for the children's chorus at the Metropolitan Opera, and they have all these sort of uh, secret places where they store sets um, in Lincoln Center. And, and these big stages that, that move on and off stage. That was the best place I've ever spent uh, 
as a child performing with the opera. What with the ballet, I'd have to say in Australia at the Melbourne Festival. So. I was going to say Australia is known for having a strong ballet. Yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we toured there. So, um, so as a professional, so I, I would. This is a question I have for you. I always say the term ballerina. Uh-huh. Is that a, that's a female. It is uh, dancer. What is the male equivalent of ballerina? Well, in Italian, it's ballerino. Okay. Um, that's never used though. They usually call them male dancers or dancer nobles. Are dancer nobles? Yes, as as a term for a male dancer. But there is uh, no mistaking it. Female ballerinas or ballerinas. They wear point shoes, tutus. Obviously, guys don't wear things like that on stage. They're there to really a lot of times to support the ballerina in partnering and lifts and things of that nature. So you mentioned, and we're going to get into um, the Huntsville Ballet and the, and the professional um, group, but you actually can learn from the very earliest age is about ballet in Huntsville at the school. Is that right? Yeah, we have a school right down by the Parkway Place Mall. Um, we have about 350 students, and uh, we're sort of this, I want to say we're a unique school because we focus on dance and ballet as an education and uh, also as an art form. You know, as opposed to just taking dance and competing for medals and things like that. We're purely in it for the art form and uh, in education. And a lot of our kids go off to receive scholarships at college in the dance departments because they're educated about the, the art form. You were kind enough the other day to invite us over for a little preview. Mm-hmm. And what struck me, I've seen it, but usually in a far away, but being that close, is the physicality of ballet. It's graceful, oh, yeah. but it's just, I mean, it just feels like you have to be really, really strong in addition to graceful. You do. And I spent a lot of my time in Seattle before I retired um, as the uh, director of outreach and education for Pacific Northwest Ballet, which allowed me the opportunity to work with some of the Seattle Seahawks and at that time a basketball team, the Seattle Sonics. And even they were amazed on what it took to be a dancer, you know, actually giving those guys class and having them try to do that workout. Like Russell Wilson jumping around. They loved or- it. <laughs> yeah. I forget the names of the guys, but at the time, but, uh, you know, but the thing, it's as physically demanding as any sport, but, but the uniqueness about it is we have to make it look easy. And speaking of that, Chad, you know, I'm thinking of doing the Iron Bowl Ballet on stage at the concert hall. Well, now you've obviously uh, tempted the question, what is the Iron Bowl Ballet? Well, you know, for years I've been spinning my wheels here on how to try to bring in a new audience to the ballet. And I know that football is, uh, if we were having a football game, we'd have no problem selling tickets, right? So if I have an Alabama-Auburn football game on stage... Whoever donates the most money in the lobby wins the game, but complete with shoulder plaids and tutus and things of that nature. I think it'd be pretty popular. Not sure, but yeah, you I know, think. I, actually, I like the way you're going with that. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen, like, some, it seems like some of the cultural arts that get to be most popular are the pop culture ones. And, uh-huh. um, so you could envision a scenario where you had a ballerina with a football helmet while she was... Yeah, there. we've already tried it in the studio, you know, complete with the pads and the tutus and, and the and the toe shoes, you know, and complete, you know, halftime with the, you know, the band and everything. Um, I, I think it'd be really cool. 
I think you're onto something. <laughs> I, 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 to, I mean, honestly, I'd go see it. Was you? I, I, I yeah. Uh, no blocking or tackling, I assume. Well, there'd be some of that, but it would be choreographed. Okay, okay. All right, so it wouldn't look as uh, rough. Yeah. A little more finished than a football game. Right. A little more polish on it. Pass interference. Yeah, yeah. sure. Interesting. Sure. Well, I like that idea. So that's breaking news on the DHI podcast. <laughs> we may have the Iron Bull Ballet. If you do that, I think it's going to be popular. Uh, Let me know if you do. I have, I'm trying any way I can to expose the city of Huntsville to the art of ballet. Yeah. No, that'd be very cool. Um, you know, speaking of what, what are what are some of your long term goals for the Huntsville Ballet? Well, you know, our school is growing, the company is growing, um, along with the city. You know, one of my long term goals is to have a presence right in downtown Huntsville. You know, the symphonies down there, the art museum, the children's museum. It would be nice to have a location for the Huntsville Ballet. Lots of windows so that you know people can you know walk by and see us dancing, see, see me choreographing, um, and really give the community that sense of ownership in its ballet company. So you envision a scenario where people could actually be standing outside the windows watching rehearsal? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. At certain times, you know, we obviously we'd have curtains for those times that we're, we're not feeling up to it, but, you know, we could actually open those curtains at any time and uh, let the community see what we're rehearsing for the upcoming performance. So if you're a downtown building owner and you're looking for a creative use, maybe even a tax write-off for your building with big windows. Yeah. And, you know, clear span, obviously. Yeah. Can't be any posts or beams in the way. Um, okay. So. Let's uh, let's take that under advisement. That'd be another cool addition because I, I think of a lot of the um, rehearsals or even like the Today Show when you're walking uh-huh. through or the you just like you walk by and you see it live going on. Right. Right. I mean, I think that that would be the magic of it. I don't think there's any place else in the country that really has that unless it's a formal performance outside yeah you know but as a you know weekend thing or an everyday occurrence um it'd be really cool for people to be able to you know be downtown be walking by looking at the ballet all right downtown building owners the challenge is on you let's let's put our heads together on that because i love that idea um some of your short-term challenges you know coming out of covid have you all been able to start live performances again or is that a process work in progress no we have um you know we uh we had a very successful nutcracker at the concert hall the community really came out and supported us we did have to cancel our february show because that when when that spike and the variant came along um but we're going to be back on stage this weekend with the firebird at the concert hall uh for four performances in addition to two other works that we'll be premiering here in Huntsville. Now, unfortunately, by the time this gets posted, we'll probably be post. Oh, okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, one of the cool things that we enjoyed working with you all on, and hopefully do it again in the future, is um, Firebird with the craft cocktail trail, yeah. making Firebird-inspired cocktails. What do you well, think about that? Well, thank you very much, number one, for, for arranging that. Um, I, I think it's a very cool idea. I haven't been able to experience one myself yet. Um, but I know some people who have, and uh, so it's just a good time going out. And One of the things about Firebird that seemed to lend itself to that collaboration is it's a, it's a bright, it's a very, uh, I mean, the, the costumes were beautiful looking, so you see mm-hmm. colorful cocktails, but it also really had um, some scenes that were very, you know, natural in their origin, like in the forest and things like that. Yeah, well, you know, the story is about a prince named, named Ivan who's out hunting, 
and he captures this magical firebird. And in return for her release, she gives him a magic feather. And if ever he's in trouble, all he has to do is pull out this feather and she will come and save the day. And I'd say that's a teaser, but if this is happening after the effect, uh, then it ends up with a bunch of monsters and a sorcerer who tries to kill Ivan, and he finally pulls out the feather, and Firebird comes to the rescue. So it's a great, great story. Old Russian folktale. One of the things that fascinates me in in your world, and I ask this question to our friends at the Symphony and Broadway Theater League, is there's so many productions to choose from, Mm -hmm. and you have a limited number of shows each year. What's the process that Phil Otto on your team goes into selecting, for example, Firebird or whatever you're selecting next? Well, unlike the symphony who has, you know, a a bunch of core union players that they can count on um, and Broadway Theater League bringing in performances, uh, road shows, you know, we have a limited number of professional dancers here in Huntsville. So it really depends on how many dancers I hear have at the time. If the board approves my budget for additional dancers. So I can't just do a classic ballet like uh, sleeping beauty or, you know, without a certain number of male dancers, certain number of female dancers. And uh, so that's really what guides my picking the productions that we do. And that's fascinating. So you're, you're sometimes bringing in from out of town, professional paid ballet dancers this is not Mm. just community theater which is great community theater is great but these are actually professionals who could perform a lot of different places across the country no absolutely they they um they could perform in many ballet companies across the country in fact half of them six of them we trained right here at the school and hired them right out of our own school so i think what's really neat about huntsville ballet is that we have professional dancers in our company that live, eat, sleep, work here in the city of Huntsville. That's not their hobby. It's their job. It's their job. Yeah. Huh, that's great. So. Are you, have you announced your next season yet? Or are, you in the, are you putting that together? Or? We haven't. We're trying to put it together right now. Um, we're trying to, uh, I'm actually trying to work it out. And, you know, I'm trying to save two Ukrainian refugee dancers who are on tour in LA right now. They finish in San Jose next weekend and I'm trying to help them actually come to Huntsville. They sent me their materials and they, they want to stay here and I've talked with them on the phone and it's really heartbreaking um, what's happening to their families in Ukraine. And uh, you know, if, if we can do anything here at Huntsville Ballet, I feel like we can, a dance community is so small and we try to take care of each other. We really want to help these Ukrainian dancers. So uh, yeah, that's, that's that would great. change next season altogether if I had two more uh, male dancers. So now you do have at least one signature show. You do Nutcracker each? Nutcracker, okay. yeah. Is that, is that the one constant each year? The constant, yes. Okay. Yeah. And then how many additional shows do you generally try to put on? And what times of the year if people are trying to get acquainted to the ballet calendar? Yeah, well, we, in October we do something I call Unplugged. Um, and we've been doing that the last couple of years at the Dream Theater over at the Rock uh, campus. And... Um, that's really meant to show new choreography, new cutting edge works, contemporary, modern, you know, and testing new choreography out on our dancers. Then, of course, the Nutcrackers in December. And in February, we try to do, uh, I call it Huntsville Ballet Offstage, 
where it's a really inviting atmosphere where the audience can stand up and ask questions after the performances to the, you know, to the dancers and um, really, you know, interactive performance with the, with the audience. And we always wind up in the spring with our final performance at the concert hall. What if, if money was not an issue, which it always is, but if uh-huh. it wasn't and, and resources were all aplenty, what would be the production that you would choose as your dream production? Oh, wow. You know, I actually did it here. Okay. Um, I, I wish I had a little bit more money and hadn't lost money, but uh, it was uh, Romeo and Juliet, Bakoviev uh, score. Um, and we did it here once, uh, the full ballet in, in collaboration with UAH, uh, theater department. Um, so that and a couple of Balanchine ballets and Balanchine was the, uh, founder and director of the New York city ballet, who's considered to be a, a genius in the ballet world. And some of his ballets, you know, they cost a lot of money to obtain the rights to dance them. So, uh, that would be nice to have a couple of balancing ballets in our repertoire. repertoire. What do you think the most challenging ballet that the Huntsville Ballet has done under your leadership that they performed at the you know here in Huntsville? Um, that's a good question. Um, probably not one of my ballets that I choreograph because I'm I'm more of the storyteller choreographer. Um, probably one of the more contemporary ballets. Um, actually, this one coming up is one of the most challenging the dancers have ever done what uh, makes challenge? on stage. Um, just the complexity of the lifts, jumps, um, floor work. You know, when you take ballet dancers and you, you put them into a whole different you know genre of dance, like contemporary or modern, they look really good because they're all they're all focused on their line of their bodies because that's what ballet is all about. It's all about the line of the body. Uh, while you're dancing, but then to have them go into a contemporary piece with a contemporary choreographer, uh, it's a lot more challenging because they're doing things they're not, they don't usually do in a ballet class or in rehearsals for a classical ballet. In watching the uh, the ballerina who's um, starring in Firebird, and there's two mm-hmm. of them, right? Uh, yeah, Abby and Greta. Um, just the way they have complete body control it's just it blows my mind really yeah. what is what is generally considered um, the hardest thing to be for a ballet dancer is it the lifts is it the single pose is, it, is there something else oh I think the hardest thing is is uh, it depends on the it really depends on the dancer or the athlete um, you know they all have their weaknesses and their strengths you know, some of the guys have no problem lifting ballerinas up with one hand in the air. Um, you know, and some of the girls are much stronger than the others on point. You know, you have to be incredibly strong. Those point shoes they wear, it's just cardboard, satin, and glue, you know. And they have to have total, complete strength in their feet, their arches, their calves, um, in order to dance on point like that. So I think it's up to the individual, but there are harder ballets and there are easier ballets. And uh, I think as a choreographer and a director, I need to choose the people who would be best suited physically, strength-wise, to dance whatever role I'm asking them to dance. So when do you anticipate announcing uh, your next season so people can get excited about the Huntsville Ballet? Yeah, probably within a month uh, I'll be able to announce the season. Yeah, sometime in May, yeah. 
Well, we will make sure we post this before that to kind of tease that. Um, last question I have mm-hmm. is what's the most fulfilling ballet performance you've ever personally been in? Uh, um, probably not many people with her of it, but uh, it's a balancing ballet and it's a ba- ballet called Who Cares? Uh, and it was all to the music of George Gershwin, uh, arranged by Hershey K. And I was the principal guy, to which I had three pas de deux in that ballet and a male solo variation. Three uh, pas de deux. Okay. Or dan- with that term. Uh, pas de deux. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> pas de deux and dance for two. Okay. So I think what you saw in the studio was Firebird with and Ivan. So that was a pas de deux, dance for two. So, you know, I was able to perform that all around the world on, on tour with Pacific Northwest Ballet and Pennsylvania and uh, Australia and things like that. So um, that was really the ballet that was most fulfilling to me. If you were, and I said last question, but I really mean last question. This one, if you were, uh, if you had a young person who's interested in ballet, I mean, what, what advice would you give them to determine whether, you know, they need to head this direction? Because it's, it, it, it's a physically extreme i guess you don't have to be able to sing that well right (laughs) right right, (laughs) but other than that it just seems like one of the more physical artistic things that you can do you know it's it's so good for you ballet class it's it's a place where you can go and work on yourself even as a young child we have mommy and me classes where the mommies come in just so the with their kids they can learn musicality and 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 so that's where you start and uh the, the self-discipline, the work ethic, the drive, the com- camaraderie that you make in a, in a proper ballet school growing up is so important to what you do in real life, whether you're going to be an engineer or a professional dancer or a doctor. Lots of people come back and say, you know, if it weren't for ballet, I wouldn't have had that structure that I needed to move on after dance. Hmm. Well, um, it was so entertaining and so just inspiring to watch you all rehearse the other day. So uh, while this will come in after Firebird, I encourage everyone, when you get a chance, check out the Huntsville Ballet. Um, it is, there are some talent, and I like the word you used, athletes. I mean, that, uh-huh. they are so athletic. So, uh-huh. If you want to uh, find out more, connect with the ballet, what's the best way to do that? Um, www.huntsvilleballet.org yeah please come visit our site and stop by our studios anytime if you want to have a walk and if you want to sign up for classes that's also where you go same website absolutely yes all right well that's the story uh, at least uh, a version of it with Phil Otto of Huntsville Ballet Uh, we like to end up each conversation with a little segment called the favorite five these are questions designed to learn about the personality behind the person we're interviewing Ah, designed to be one word answers you can elaborate if you really feel necessary okay Uh, are you ready for phil otto's favorite five sure all right number one contemporary ballet or classical ballet classical ballet number two the vaganova vaganova method or the cicchetti method uh, Vaganova or Chiquetti, uh, Vaganova. But you got to be impressed. I even uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I got to get way back into Wikipedia for those. Uh, Swan Lake or the Nutcracker? Swan Lake. All right. Uh, ballet movies, the only two that I've ever seen. Billy Elliot or Black Swan? Um, neither. <laughs> that is one word answer. <laughs> and last but not least, number five, go to one opera uh, tomorrow, would it be the Paris Opera Ballet or the Royal Ballet? Uh, oh, that's a hard one. The Royal Ballet. 
you don't sound convinced. And <laughs> the turning point's the best ballet movie. The turning point. Okay, I have <laughs> with with Brezhnikov. Well, that is ballet Huntsville style from Phil Otto, head of the Huntsville Ballet. Encourage you to go to huntsvilleballet.org to learn about their upcoming season uh, announced later this spring, as well as join classes there and support our local arts at the Huntsville Ballet. Thanks, everyone, for joining us in this episode of the Downtown Huntsville Explorer Podcast.